Well, hello there, and welcome to Syracuse Football Post Game, presented by Krause Health, the official healthcare provider of Syracuse Athletics. Brent Axe in Syracuse, New York. Emily Liker in Tallahassee, Florida. Not too far from uh, the scene of the blowout today. Syracuse losing to Florida State 41-3. to So for those of you that are joining us live on Facebook, joining us live on YouTube, uh, throw your comments up. We will highlight some as we go throughout here. Our voicemail line is 315-552-1964. We do have a few voicemails uh, to get into at the end of the program, including a couple repeat callers from last week. So always good to hear some familiar voices on the show. You can also hit me on Twitter as well and hit Emily on Twitter uh, for your questions and comments. As the Orange uh, go into... Uh, a bleak bye week at this point, having been outscored in their last three games, 112 to 24, uh, the final 41 3 in Tallahassee today. Emily, uh, look, no matter what we say on this show, it's going to come back to the fact that this was just a flat out anemic offense today in Tallahassee. Maybe we found out partly why after the game. We'll ask you a couple of things that Dino referenced there. But food poisoning or not for Garrett Schrader, this is an offense that's just been stuck in the mud the last three weeks, and it happens to be against, you know, three name brand uh, ACC programs. Yeah, you know, like we we had talked about it. I had talked about it with some Florida State people. I have seen fans talk about it. Like no one was expecting Syracuse to come in and upset number four Florida State on its home turf in front of a, a sold out crowd. But people wanted to see this offense look competent, and it did not look competent. It did not look like it could handle itself. It continuously stumbled. There were only like two drives that actually looked like drives, and they were able to piece things together. And, of course, they came up with a field goal on one, which, good, made sure it wasn't a shutout, (laughs) and then tried for the field goal on the second one um, on a fourth and six that turned to a fourth and 11 that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and, and missed Brady Denenberg missed that one. And so, you know what, they've gone eight of the past 12 quarters without scoring any points. And I, I refrained in, in my, in my gamer from saying they were held scoreless because it's not like they were at the goal line and the opponents put up some great stop to, to hold them scoreless. They just have not come anywhere close to scoring in some of these quarters. And you know what, like, Dino went back to his kind of stance post game that, oh, well, these are future NFLers on these defenses and these are really strong competitive defenses. And you know what? Yes, that is a fact, but that is not everything that is going on with this offense and why it has not been able to produce anything. It simply is not. Emily, it's, it's look, they lost to Rondé Gadsden, right? But Florida State didn't have a, a big-time receiver out there. Keon Coleman looked fine, and about five, six other players who caught passes looked fine, and I get that Florida State's on that level. But you can lose a star or two when you have depth and you have everything you need and NIL money, as Dino referenced earlier this week. And, again, I don't think anybody expected Syracuse to go in and beat Florida State. But the fact of the matter is if they had a functioning, competent offense, just a average offense, they'd be in this football game because the 41-3 score kind of blemishes over the fact that this defense played well enough today. 
They made enough stops. They had two fourth down stops in the first half. Now, I think they came up short on a few turnover opportunities. They couldn't fall on the fumble on the first offensive drive by Florida State. They bobbled another interception. They've just been snake bitten the past three weeks and trying to create turnovers. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've had one turnover in the last three weeks against these yeah, three something teams. something like that. Something, something like, like that, that, which is tough, right? But what bewilders me, Emily, is this team does not even have anything that resembles just a short passing game, right? Slants, short passes, use the middle of the field, throw to the tight end. I know I say that a lot, but they literally cannot do that. Everything is a rollout. It's a sideline pass. I cannot accept that. I just can't. You have good enough receivers on this team without a Rondé Gatson, without Trevor Payne. Look, Donovan Brown can run slant routes. I want to believe that Omari Hatcher can make short passes. I mentioned Volari. I certainly want to believe that Damian Alford can do something else besides run on the sideline and do a jump pass. This team has good enough receivers that they can do that, and they didn't do that. So now I have to start to look at Jason Beck and say, look, are you doing everything you possibly can to make a functioning offense off of what you have, or are you sticking to a philosophy at this point? And, Emily, I think this is the problem a lot of Syracuse fans have, and you brought up the 4th and 6, which turns into a 4th and 11. It's 24-3. to In no universe do you kick a field goal there. I'm sorry. You're trying to beat the number four team on the country in the country or stay in the game, right? And what Dino Babers lacks at this point is the ability to inspire, to motivate, to go for it, to make any sort of plea like we are trying to win this football game. And you know what? Frankly, I'm glad the football gods punished him there and made Brainy Denenberg miss that field goal because you don't do that. So – it's not that they're just getting beat here. They're getting beat, and there's no rallying of the troops. There's no inspiration. There's no, hey, man, at least they fired every bullet they had in that gun. Far from it at this point. Yeah, and, you know, I, I asked about the fourth and sixth postgame. Someone else also asked about the fourth and one um, that came early in the game on, on the first drive that Syracuse had. That was a slightly different situation. But I asked about the fourth and six, and, I mean, one I asked, did Dino consider – keeping the offense out there. And I also kind of put in there, did anyone on the offense kind of come to you and pitch you like, please let us stay out there. We want to do this. And Dino said, no one tried to pitch him on that, that no one argued for the offense to stay on the field and that he did not even consider it. So that's, that's bad. I'm sorry. That's, like, that's, I mean, that's like, that's the last scoring opportunity. They had the real scoring opportunity they had of the game. And, you know, I had a different stance a couple weeks ago on the, on the fourth and eight that turned into the 57 yard field goal try or whatever. But like in a game like this, that's like the closest you've been. They were in the red zone. They were at like the 14 yard line, like Florida State's 14 yard line. Like you just you have to go for it at that point. You do. Emily, weird stuff happens in football. And as we noted, it's 24 to three, three scores. Maybe you wake up. Maybe something happens. You have to light a spark in order for the fire to start. And the fact that they didn't even attempt to, that two weeks in a row, Babers has essentially surrendered in key spots because there was a play against North Carolina. Same deal, where they punted the football, another fourth down, where they should have gone for it. Like, the mentality is not 
what it needs to be, even in games you're not in. And it circles back to, and I wonder what uh, Dino or anybody said afterwards about this, Emily. You can fill us in. I thought this defense did everything it could to keep Syracuse in the football game, despite not getting the turnovers. And, you know, we all thought Florida State was going to go out there and just run past this team. And at times they did. Keon Coleman did. I mean, Coleman was phenomenal in this yeah. game. But they also held Florida State in check enough that if you make a couple plays on offense, as I said, you have a functioning, competent offense, at least you're going to the fourth quarter feeling like this this could be a football game. You punch them in the nose, something weird happens. Look what happened last night. Stanford comes back on Colorado. Look at Houston the other day. They're down whatever they were, 12, was it 12 points in the fourth quarter? And yeah, they beat West Virginia on a Hail Mary. Like, stuff happens in football, but sometimes yeah. you got to make it happen by pushing the, the button and making the right call. But what, did, what was the defensive angle on this, this whole thing from what, from what you saw and, and heard afterwards? Yeah, I mean, Dino complimented the defense. He said he thought they did a good job contra- containing Travis. I, I believe he noted um, that they were able to get some pressure on him. They got some hits on him. Uh, which was true. I'm trying to pull up the uh, like the quarterback hurry numbers. They're they're credited with three quarterback hurries. I feel like it's a little bit more than that. And then they had a sack that was split between uh, McDonald and Barron. Um, I mean, yeah, through three quarters, Syracuse had held Florida State to three touchdowns and a field goal at halftime. It was a two score game. It was 17 to three. Score two touchdowns. You're back in this, and your defense is playing well. Um, things kind of got away from them there at the end, but you know what? I don't feel like you can blame them very much when they've had to be on the field, like almost the entire game and are not getting any morale or any help otherwise from their offense. Like, of course, things are going to kind of get out of hand in the end, because what, what do you have to play for at that point? Like, and this team prides itself on the Ohana, on the family. I, I can't remember who said it this week. You can remind me if, if you remember, Emily. But somebody said, no matter what happens, we're not going to let this team get torn apart. I'm paraphrasing there. But it's got to be tough, though, for the defense to continually see its offense just fail and fail and fail against high-level defenses the last three weeks. Now, on that note, so Dino revealed afterwards that Garrett Schrader had a little bit of food poisoning Schrader just did not look himself. We're in our group chat saying something does, just looks off with Schrader. But that doesn't explain everything the last three weeks. And Emily, look, I'm living in a world of speculation here, but it, it all ties back to when he got hit in the helmet in the first drive against Clemson. He just has not looked the same since. Now you added food poisoning today. And that's a thing right there. I, you can't make a, a quarterback change that short. I mean, they did it when Schrader took over for DeVito. You're right. So I guess you can, but would a healthy Carlos Del Rio Wilson have been a better option for a, an ailing Garrett Schrader who's already off and now he's out there fighting through food poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Food poisoning is, is what we were told post game, certainly wondering where they got their meals and how Garrett's was the, the only one that, that went bad. Um, but yeah, it, even, even with that fact aside, like this offense just has not, has not done anything the past three weeks. It hasn't. <laughs> They've been outscored. I, I want to get the numbers correct, so I'm going to pull it up. They've been outscored like over 100 points to 70-something at this point. Total? Like the, to- the total scores between the last the three, three weeks? Games, yes. It's been between – The Car- total score between... the last three games is 112 to 24. 24, yeah. yeah. 
Um, went scoreless in eight of the past 12 quarters, which I already mentioned. Garrett's stat line through these past three games, 39 of 71 passes for 399 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions, uh, 42 rushing yards on 32 attempts, which is like an average of just 1.3 yards per carry. Um, like that's simply, and he hasn't been responsible for a touchdown in either of the past few games. Obviously they didn't find the end zone today, but, uh, last week's touchdown was scored by Allen, I believe. So, so Garrett hasn't found the end zone since Clemson. Like there is, there is something else going on. There is something else going on, regardless of what they want to tell us. Maybe he has just a boo-boo and it's not a boo-boo that they feel is worth talking to us about. Yes, he's also faced pressure from these tough defensive lines. Like, I get that. Like, Jared Verse is a scary dude. Like, he's going to get you in the backfield. Um, but th- but they're, like, it just, from watching him, he does not feel like the quarterback that you watched in the first three or four games of the season. Definitely not. And some of that has to do with better defenses. But uh, I believe our, our friend and colleague, Nate Mink, described it well. The play where he rolls out in the end zone. It's what well, I, be- I believe I was on fourth down. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it was, it was third and long, but it, it was it was their backs were literally against the wall there. He's running in the end zone and he tries to deliver a long pass downfield. It looked laborious like mm-hmm. he really had to wind up and throw that football down the field. And remember, he had offseason uh, uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, surgery. Right. And we talked about that. He mentioned it on the mob podcast. Now he's mm-hmm. continuing to recover from that. Right. So something's off there now. Let's give uh, credit where it's due. LaQuinn Allen, I think, had as good of a game as you can in these circumstances. He had 110 yards on the ground. To Dino's credit, Emily, they interview him after the first quarter. There was a offensive drive in the first quarter. It's it, LaQuint has a nice run at second and six, and then they throw the ball twice and have to kick and kick the ball away. Dino admits to I forget who the sideline reporter was for ABC but basically says like, yeah, we should have run the ball more there. So is there, did he give Jason Beck a little too much um, room there to, to do what he wants to do? And he wanted to run the football, like who's calling what in terms of plays and how that goes. Right. I so, don't know. Yeah. I don't know that between like Beck and, and Babers, but Dino did confirm post game that it was in the game plan to, to give LaQuint the ball. They said they had, he has said they had seen teams run the ball against Florida state um, and figured that, this is paraphrasing, but like figured LaQuint was a guy that if the the whole O-line couldn't block for him, if they, they only, he only got one block from the offense, that he would be able to go get the hits and get the yards after contact, which he certainly did. But like, that's another indictment of the offense that <laughs> you're like, yeah, we knew we had to give it to LaQuint because he can take a hit and can get yards after contact when no one's there to block for him. Like someone should be there to block for him. Yes. And look, this team has offensive line issues. The wide receivers struggle to get separation. I brought up the lack of a short passing game. I like LaQuinn Allen, but there's only so much he can do. But they're not bringing in Price. They're not bringing anybody in behind him. I'm starting to question the play calling. I'm starting to question a lot. But here's the good news. Two wins in the last five, and they're in a bowl game, right? Which we've talked about that on our midseason show, that if that's what your expectation is, great. But if you feel like this program as John Wildhack has put it, is an ascending brand, a brand on the rise. Barely getting over the finish line at six wins is not good enough. Seven wins, eight wins. We'll see what the discussion is going to be here. But, Emily, as we stand here, now 
you're, you got a team going into a bye week. They come out of the bye. They go to Virginia Tech, which I'm sorry. That is a tough place to play. That is, uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think Syracuse can look down on anybody at this point. Yeah. You know, all these people are like, oh, they could go nine and three or eight and four down the stretch here. I'm like, okay, maybe because they do have some teams that are more on their level in the last five games. That is true. I mean, you're talking about Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, all winnable games, all beatable teams. But until you resurrect your offense and until you, maybe the bye week's coming at a good time for this team to really kind of have a come-to-Jesus moment and figure out, like, what are we good at, what do we do, and how do we do it going down the stretch here? So there is still a chance for this team to either meet or somewhat exceed the expectation. But, Emily, they were just on ABC and ESPN three weeks in a row. We mentioned the score. They got outscored 112-24. to that, I mean, that's embarrassing for, for a program like that. They did not in any way, shape, or form compete in the last two games, and they had a fleeting moment when they did against Clemson. So all this, like, this, this is what we expected from Syracuse? I guess that's the problem. I guess that's the problem. Like, you want to show a little bit more pop against three of the best teams in your league. Clearly, you're not an ascending brand if you can't even show up in the last two games and most of the last three. Right. It, again, it's about competency, if not competitiveness. Like, you yeah. have to show you are a competent team. And, like, with Florida State, Boston College gave Florida State a run for its money earlier this year. And we're, if we're saying Boston College is a winnable game for Syracuse, but Syracuse couldn't put points on the board against Florida State. Now, granted, that game was at was at Boston College, and it was a rain game, and I'm sure there are a a bunch of things people could say that were that will give Boston College like the advantage in that situation but but still when you look at how Boston College was able to play that game against Florida State they at least looked competent Syracuse did not look competent today on offense defense is a different story but it feels like it's always a different story for Syracuse and it's just you know the definition of insanity is is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and that that is just what mid to late season feels like for like I remember thinking some of the same things I'm thinking now and was thinking in the press box today when it was this time last season it's the defense is having to hold this together and the offense can't do anything and it's just the same story over and over again and they've got to break that that narrative and that pattern with only one home game in that stretch between now and Thanksgiving that's Boston College on a Friday night the last home game of the year is Wake Forest. That's two days after Thanksgiving. So we mentioned you go to Lane Stadium on a Thursday night. That's a weird circumstance. You return to play Boston College on a Friday night. And Syracuse typically actually does well on Friday nights. But what kind of crowd, what kind of energy is going to be in that building based on how this team is playing? And Emily, there's reason you have to feel that way. And I have to feel that way. And everybody watching this and listening to this has to feel that way. Because Babers is 13-29. and 29. In his last six games as head coach, this team traditionally falters down the stretch. They have depth issues. And the one time he's bucked that trend was in 2018 when they went 5-1. and one. And that was a relatively healthy team and everything went right. So there's a reason to think that. So, yes, the schedule as, is as, air quotes, light as it's been in recent years. But I don't think Syracuse has the right to look down on anybody at this point until they show they can revive the offense and get things going and – just bounce back from this. So they have a bye week. 
they have the chance to get Schrader healthy. They have a chance maybe to get Trevor Pena healthy. A couple of guys on the offensive line. Emily Kalen Ellis didn't travel today again, right? He did not. Yeah, he did okay. not travel. So maybe you get Ellis and Jill Moore back and healthy. All the things that, you know, you're supposed to say at a bye week. And it does come at a good time. It's just over the halfway mark for Syracuse. Not too early, not too late to reassess some things. But Babers and Beck in particular have got to do some soul searching here. I don't think the defense is much to adjust. I think the defense is, has, you know, held its own. I think we all gave them a B or a B plus in our midseason yeah. grades. It's trying to figure out something on this offense to get some timing back and to just put something out there that's going to give this chance, this team a chance to win two of its next five or, or more. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I tried to press Dino on this post game because he, he got asked, someone asked him first, like, okay, after this three game slump, like what needs to change on offense? Like, what are you guys looking to fix that type of thing? And he was like, Oh, well, like we've been playing really, really difficult opponents. And it's like, okay, that was the answer. Pretty much everyone expected him to give to that question. And then a couple questions later, someone asked something that led him down like the stretch of, oh, well, we definitely have things we're going to want to clean up. Uh, it might have been a question about the bye week, like there's mistakes we need to get fixed. And so then I was like, OK, well, if you're saying there's mistakes that need to be fixed, like what are they? And like what makes this offense better going forward, even despite the fact that you guys have just played three difficult teams? And he doubled down on the fact that this is a problem of them going against good defenses and basically said that he expects them to be back at the level they were in the first four games of the season when they face Virginia Tech next week. So if, if Syracuse comes out and can have a 40 point game next week, like we'll be wrong and I will own up to being wrong. But right now, like that just feels unimaginable to me, like to see them put up the type of numbers they were at the beginning of the season feels so out of question. I'll own up to it too, Emily, but I, I feel like I, I put this meme on Twitter and you're a succession fan. So you'll, you'll appreciate this. It's like Logan Roy. Okay. One of the last episodes before spoiler alert, Logan Roy dies. Sorry to give it away for those of you that haven't watched it. But in one of the last episodes before it happens, he turns to his kids and he says, I love you, but you're not serious people. people. Right. Yeah. I think that's how Syracuse football fans look at Babers, look at Wild Hack, look at some people. I don't want to pick on the players here, but look at Syracuse football. Like, I love you. I am a fan, but you are not serious people. You just got beat 112-24 against the name brand top programs in the ACC. So, yes, seven or eight wins is like the expectation. Get to a bowl game. That That's better than not. If that doesn't happen, then we're, we're going to have a lot of interesting discussions here. But that's not a guarantee. I need to see it, and I'll own up to what I'm wrong about, but I know this. When they played the class of the ACC, they were nowhere near any of these three teams, maybe for a half against Clemson, and that is telling at this point. On that note, Emily, uh, let us, uh, as we like to say uh, in the radio business, let's go to the phones, our voicemail line. Let's go. Here we go. 315-552-1964. If you would like to leave us a voicemail anytime, by the way, just want to get something off your chest, watching a game, just something pops in your mind. Got to tell Brent and Emily about that. Anytime you want to fire us a voicemail, you can do that. Here is voicemail number one. Yeah, Brett. This is uh, Rock and Ryan down in Florida. Saw you last week. So you're saying there's just no discipline on this team. 
you know, that, uh, and then going uh, for a uh, field goal with um, down, what, 24-3 uh, with five minutes and left in the third, that's ridiculous. You know, the way Florida State's playing, your only chance is to move the ball, but I'm telling you, no discipline, off delay of game, that, that's all on the coaches, too. I'm uh, I'm just getting fed up, getting fed up. Actually, I think I'm there. <laughs> Have a good one, Brett. Rock and Ron, down in Florida. I Rock love it. I will say, to Syracuse's credit, it only had two penalties today. And someone That's asked right. Dino, someone asked Dino about it post game, and Dino was like, "Oh, well, she didn't ask about it," pointing to me, and I'm like, "I'm like, I don't care about penalties that much." But like, <laughs> in the beginning of the season, when your veteran guys were making stupid penalties, like yes. it's worth asking about. Yeah, had a, uh, it, you know what? It was quality over quantity today because you did have yes. the penalty on that fourth down situation where you ended up taking a field That's goal anyway. True. Yeah, and how about this? officiating was such a big topic of discussion last week. Syracuse got a lot of help on a punt return, that is true. I will say, mm-hmm. from uh, Go ACC officials today. Uh, voicemail number two. Brent, I called last week from Oklahoma, and I'm calling again. It seems like Dino Babers is not playing to win anymore. I have no idea why he would have tried to take the field goal, and then they end up with a penalty for delay of game. Maybe the kids wanted to go for it. It's time for Dino to go. He doesn't seem to want to play to win. Have a good evening, buddy. Bye-bye. Now, you brought this up a little earlier, Emily. You didn't notice any strong counter-arguments on the field from the players because there was a couple of times Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis on like fourth and eight is looking over at Mike Norvell like, hey, what are we doing? Come on, we got to stay on the field, right? Did you Did you see any arguments on the field that they wanted to go for it or what was the situation i don't remember it that time i remember on the fourth and one early in the game it looked like maybe they were going to stay on the field and do it and and garrett and and laquint kept on looking over there um and then they they punted on that too um or not too because they kicked a field goal on the other one um i did ask laquint post game because it was we talked to laquint and then justin Barron. those were our two guys post game and i was like fourth and six, did you guys want to stay out there at all? And he, of course, was like, oh, it's coach's decision and we're going to listen to whatever coach says. So there wasn't any, there wasn't, it wasn't, if they did push back, it, he didn't feel impassioned enough to speak about it post game. So um, coach's decision and coaches decided not to. And this is what I'm talking about, Emily. Not that Dino has to coach to appease the fans, but there is a perception that you're not going for it on this play, right? It that. Like, it just blocks out everything else. Like, I'm with you. I'll back you. I'll go with you if you're going for it in these situations. I mean, you have a caller literally saying, is he trying to win the football game? And I can't disagree with him. Like, of course he's trying to win the football game, but is he really when you're down, when you're kicking a field goal in that spot? Here is uh, voicemail number three. EC from Long Island. Um, I did not expect to win any of the last three games but I don't think that it was a wild expectation to be remotely competitive in some of them. Uh, I think uh, seven, eight years under Dino to be where we're at at this point 
and hearing excuses about lack of depth because of the transfer portal and just have the fundamental issues that we have in being a functional team, uh, it's just killing me. And then you throw on top of that the way Dino is, he, the, the decisions he made last week or two weeks ago with the 57-yard field goal, this week with the field goal attempt, his body language, it just feels like a losing mentality. Uh, I hope they can finish strong because he's never proven to uh, bring a team home after the wheels come off. So good luck, Orange. EC in Long Island, and kind of a common theme today, right, Emily? In the voicemails, like you got to send a message to the fans that you're 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 going for this thing, and that's he has failed to do that the past few weeks. To the fans and just anyone watching, regardless yes. of they're a fan or not, like like I can't imagine like what watching this game film as like an opposing team that remains on Syracuse's schedule is like, or. Obviously, we've heard some things from the announcers that are calling these games. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to the the broadcast when I'm there, but I heard, I know you brought up a comment from RG3 where he was like, "This offense doesn't have a f- switch to flip. Like, yes. there is nothing going on there." So, like, people are noticing this. It is not just fans. It is not just those of us who are watching Syracuse closely. People in a wider audience are noticing this, and it is it is going to bring up questions and continue to bring up questions unless things look different in two weeks against Virginia Tech. No doubt about it. So by week awaits, we will not have a post game show next Saturday. Cause there's, there's no, there's no game, right? No game. So give us the, the Saturday off if, if you don't mind, Please. <laughs> but the next couple of uh, post game shows are going to be different because we mentioned Thursday night, Virginia Tech, it'll be a late night with Emily and Brent. After that one, and you'll be there at Lane Stadium. One of the, the if anything, Emily, you're going to see one of the great entrances at all of sports. I'm excited. Metallica, Enter Sandman. That's going to be incredible, right? And then after that, it's a Friday night. So the next couple of uh, post game shows are going to be on different nights, but we'll be here as we have been all season long. Syracuse Sports will have a couple new episodes next week as well we're going to flip the script to basketball on tuesday is it basketball season was asked uh, quite a bit uh, on on the social media during the game today and some things i overheard at syracuse basketball media day but who the bye week awaits emily and this team's got a lot to figure out on the offensive side of the ball i mean it really comes down to that i said it at the beginning of the show i'll close with this thought like all arrows point at the offense and it's got to fix itself going forward in order to get those two wins it needs to get to the college football bowl season. Emily, thanks for joining us from Tallahassee in a uh, Airbnb. I saw yes. Dennis Nett, our ace photographer, practicing <laughs> his putting yeah, we on have the a social media. Putting green, putting green thing in here. Can't really they, figure out how to work the TV, but we have that to entertain us. So. <laughs> well, work on your putting. Yeah. Great opportunity to work on your short game a little bit there down in Florida. You got to love it. Emily, thanks as always for your great reporting and everything uh, leading up to this game. We'll have some bye week stuff coming for you, but uh, time to take a little breath as well and await Syracuse football, not just the second half. They're in the second half of the season, the last final five games and, and see where they go from there. Thanks to everybody and your great comments and for watching. Remember, we do this live after every Syracuse football game. 
Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget the voicemail line, some great voicemails again today at 315-552-1964. This has been Syracuse Football Post Game presented by Krause Health, the official health care provider of SU Athletics. We'll talk to you next time, guys.